Hey everybody, this is Armando Torres, and you're listening to the show before the show. And I'm Paige Wesley. <laughs> and with us we have... Andrea Gazetta. Yay! <laughs> Sorry, Paige looked like a robber at a flower shop, so that <laughs> threw me off for a second. You looked like you were about to stick up a Joanne's fabric. <laughs> uh. Cut the shermos and don't ask questions, <laughs> Becky! <laughs> No one at home can see it, but she's got uh, essentially a bandana mask uh, made out of a very lovely floral print. It's really cool. It's like mid-century-esque. Yeah, so it's a bandana from uh, Big Bud Press, and it's uh, Mm. bleach tie-dyed. So it's like black, but with rainbow tie-dye also. Oh, that's sick. I love it. It's got like old classic flowers. I love love Big Bud Press. Big, big fan. Yeah. Um, uh, we've got a great episode. We've got a big, great, big bud episode for you. <laughs> big Sponsor bud us. Yeah, send please me, do. Send me pants and jumpsuits. Yeah, uh, Paige and I and Andrea, all three of us can fit in big bud press clothing. It's fucking yeah, awesome. Yeah, it's wonderful. That's, they're also made completely in LA. Not yeah. sponsored, but like Not yet. at I us. Fucking really, love big bud. <laughs> really cool with just giving them a shout out. Love big bud press. Yeah. Um, We've got a great episode for you this week. We are diving into uh, Donald Trump and all of the horrible things that happened in his early adulthood and childhood. Uh, But before that, we have got some news and reviews. The first piece of news is that we have a very special birthday. Yay! Yay! Happy 15th birthday to Ella. Aw, happy birthday. Your mom reached out to us and told us that because your state is on lockdown, they can't really do anything that you would normally do for a birthday. So they're having to do different stuff. So we're happy to wish you a happy birthday. And hopefully in 2021, you can have a big old party. But for now, at least you can have birthday wishes from us. So yeah. happy birthday. Happy birthday. I also happy sent you birthday. something in the mail. I hope you get it. Ooh. <laughs> Yay. Birthday happy 15th. Present. Uh, we also have a Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash podcast. It's our birthday, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we're throwing a part. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, it, Ella. It's not it, our birthday. It was my birthday last week, and I feel old. Man, are my everything's tired. <laughs> well, same. <laughs> oh, fuck. Uh, we have also got another five-star review. <laughs> This one comes to us from the Beatle Jesus, uh, <laughs> who I can only assume is the uh, the savior of Australia. Uh, <laughs> He's our largest organism. <laughs> I thought it was like Beetlejuice, but Jesus. Oh, probably. Beetlejesus, Beetlejesus, Beetlejesus. <laughs> hey, what's up, everybody? <laughs> I'm here to forgive your sins. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Mary, you're looking nice. (laughs) That's your mom. (laughs) Mary Magdalene, I meant. Oh, the next one. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I like women that are like my mom. Jesus. All right. Anyway, I'm I'm going to hell for sure. That's not good. We got to cut that out, I think. Uh, I like my my women like I like my mom. Virgins. Um, (laughs) It's a bad Bible joke. I got some dirty ass feet. Okay. So uh, the Beatle Jesus says, here for the cult stuff. Stayed because y'all made the trumpets mad. 10 out of 10. Great work. Keep it up. 
I I specifically have not looked at reviews since we started this series. Is yeah, it bad? It's, it's not. It's you know, it's not really that bad. It's okay, uh, okay, okay. It seems to be pretty positive. Like I said last time, uh, the only negative reviews I've gotten so far are people who are like, "You're mean to Kamala Harris and Joe Biden." It's like, well, they could be better. They could be better, and we're not members of a fucking cult. You know what? Supporting leaders does not mean that we cannot ask for them to be better than they already are. Improvement is not an indictment. Thank you. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it's fair to critique people for things that they've done. All I'm saying is no president is perfect. You should expect improvement from every president. Yep. Yeah, especially presidents like Woodrow Wilson, who, again, are uh, horrible racists with ties to white supremacist groups that ignored a global pandemic. I don't think any president like that would ever be considered a good president, but that's just me. Anyway. At me, Andrew Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, uh, if you guys are ready, let's, uh, let's get into the show. Hello. 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 Happy birthday. Oh, and last thing. Uh, we opened up some mail today. So if you wanted to skip that and get right to the episode, you can fast forward to just about 20 minutes in. For the purposes of this podcast, we define a cult as organizations that rally behind an entity or leader who espouse beliefs outside the norm, organizations that require physical or monetary sacrifice as a condition of membership, organizations in which the doctrines followed by the leaders are different than that of the followers, organizations in which isolation is encouraged either by commune living or by a policy of disconnection from outside relationships, and organizations that actively recruit new members. All cults might have some or all of these traits, and as always... These are our opinions. Thank you for tuning into Cult Podcast. I'm Paige Wesley. And I'm Armando Torres. And with us we have... Andrea Cassetta! Yay! And it's my week again. <laughs> it is your week again. Yeah, it's been my week uh, for a while now. And uh, boy, howdy, is it a weird time to just <laughs> entrench yourself fully in the life of Donald Trump. And boy, are my arms tires. Yes, it's <laughs> and exhausting. boy, are my arms bankrupt. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We have got... Uh, We've got a great episode for you this week. We're going to cover Donald Trump uh, and and finally get into the man himself. Uh, but before we do that, we have got some listener mail. Yeah, it's been a long time since we've done this. We used to open mail on bonus episodes and we've had kind of like a stockpile going for a little bit. And we thought it might be fun, uh, a little bit of a treat to open some of it on air so you guys can hear about it. For Thank you for sending us stuff. Yeah. So Yay. are we ready? Of course. Now, here's, a, I mean, just a little peek behind the curtain. I have all the mail and Armando and Andrea are viewing this on a screen. So <laughs> you'll hear me describing some things probably. Okay. So this first one is from Sarah in Kentucky. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, look at that. She sent us a vaccine for coronavirus. Oh, and it <laughs> oh came with God. a free shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> Kentucky. We've been invited to their wedding. Whoa. Uh, did it already happen? It did, but we <laughs> wouldn't have come anyway. Uh, let's see. We know you can't come, but y'all are included on the list of people we love, so we wanted to share our love with you. Aww. Thanks for making us laugh, and thank you for shining a light onto darkness. Sarah and Chris. Thank you guys and congratulations. Congrats. 
Congrats. Congrats. Can we see the outside? Is it is it a cute couple photo? Oh, oh it's leaves. It's nice so leaves. nice. Beautiful. That's really pretty. a bummer. It's on my bucket list to go to a Kentucky Fried Wedding. <laughs> <laughs> I heard they're extra crispy. <laughs> Fall weddings are great, so I approve. Uh, okay, so this is from New Zealand. Uh and they covered up the return address with all of the stickers. Uh, so I'm hoping there's a note inside. I'm sure there will be. It's just a card that says, enjoy your pandemic losers. <laughs> with love, New Zealand. We'll keep the spiders. You keep the COVID. <laughs> We're just over here safe as shit with hobbits. When you put it like that... Uh... I'm actually a little bit glad now. <laughs> You're like, I'm okay. Yeah, yeah that's that's it's how much fine. I hate spiders is my brain instantly went, yeah, that's fair. That's a good trade-off. <laughs> there is a card. Yay. <laughs> it's this very cool postcard that they actually sent us pictures of this ahead of time. Oh, whoa. Oh, what is that? Are they dinosaurs? Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's a bunch of dinosaurs. Is that Where's Waldo Dinosaurs? Yeah. Oh, oh, this is okay. The I mean, this probably came a while ago or rather we just got it out of customs a while ago. Uh hello Page and Mr. Page. I was so sad to hear about your precious furry boy crossing the rainbow bridge. So I made you a small thing as a keepsake. I hope it's not weird and I know it's a bit late. Uh but I always enjoy the silliness of the podcast and the group. So thank you for sharing that with us. Aww. And uh so it's from Armel or Armeow. Because they've sent us stuff before. With stickers. Aww. Aww. Dennis the Wonder Cat. Oh, that's such a cute that's little so sweet. Thank, Thank you. Oh, Very my sweet. God. That's adorable. Oh, you're making Paige cry. <laughs> that's so beautiful. That's really Thank sweet. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's very cute. A little peek behind the curtain. We uh we we initially decided to open mail to have some great energy. <laughs> yeah, we were like, you know, it's been a rough morning. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. No, that that oh, is. Thank you so much. That was so beautiful. It's so cute. Very very cute. I do like that McCready was basically coming over. Like, what is that? Is that pictures of what your ex? It? What? <laughs> you up? Uh, <laughs> so this next one is actually from my sorority sister julia uh and my favorite is they she used the uh john oliver stamps <gasps> yes <laughs> so that is super fun That's and so cool. now i feel bad because i'm like did she tell me she was sending something and i just totally forgot i don't know i don't know hello 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 cult podcast Oh, yes. So we have some RuPaul stickers. Whoa. <gasps> Those are fantastic. Fantastic. We have... <laughs> um, we have photos of the curvature of the Earth. <laughs> uh, from the Kennedy Space Center, as well as uh, photos from the moon landing. That Photoshop is fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> A whole photo of the Earth being round, which is 
fantastic. I don't know. Is it round page? Turn that postcard d- d- lengthwise. <laughs> yeah. It looks pretty flat to me. I just looks realized flat. that I've I've never heard anyone try to pose the idea that the earth uh is round, but it's also flat. It's just round and <laughs> it's flat. It's a, a round and flat disc. And so NASA took a picture of the Earth, and that just proves that it's flat. The Earth is a pog, <laughs> obviously. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, I love the owls. <laughs> yeah, the owls. Well, our sorority animal's an owl. Oh, that's so owls. Uh so, dear Andrea Armando and Paige, thanks for all the laughs and entertainment during this pandemic. Through you and your Facebook groups, I've learned a lot. I feel part of a cool community. I've been worried about the postal service, so I decided to buy stamps and send some snail mail. These are postcards for you to mail wherever in the U.S. Please use them to spread joy and antagonize a flat earther. <laughs> Have a nice day. <laughs> I love that it. That is great. Will do. Will We should mail some stuff to, like, thanks for helping us research <laughs> Here's oh, yeah. a picture of round ass Earth. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Do you think planets are just pogs of celestial beings? I mean, I don't think they're not pogs of celestial beings. Uh, okay, so this is from Sarah in Minnesota. Oh, Hopkins, Minnesota! Oh, uh, in Minnesota they actually call it Minapop. Little known fact. <laughs> Get out. Get out of here. Okay. It's wrapped. <gasps> oh, it's wrapped. Okay. Hello. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. Whoa. Uh, Paige, Armando, and Andrea, first off, I would like to say how much I love your show. I discovered it near the beginning of the pandemic and have not stopped since. I recently finished binge listening to all... 154 episodes and all the bonus episodes you could say have joined the cult you've perfectly captured my love of weird cults by also making me laugh i feel connected to you all now but that could be because i've listened to your voices non-stop for weeks now okay <laughs> that sounds creepy but you get what i mean Hopefully you read the card before opening the gift because I feel like it needs an explanation. The gift is based off the episode where Paige has the guys from Horror Virgin on. And at the end, you ask for us to send you terrible horror movies. You also mentioned Snow White and Snow White at the same part in the episode, which made me think of this fantastically horrible movie that I just needed to share. It's the weirdest fucking take on a Brothers Grimm story I've ever seen. Enjoy. And I hope to hear your thoughts on it at some point. Love, Sarah. P.S. Are we sure Andrea is from Milwaukee? She was shoveling snow in Ugg boots. What a rookie mistake. <laughs> I'm not saying anything, but someone should be asking these questions. <laughs> wow. Accurate. Honestly, I'm hurt that you're calling my Milwaukee status into question. Into question. But that is a fair assessment. It, she is a true uh, Wisconsin gal. The only problem is California will erase the winter part of your brain in just like two months. <laughs> it hurts. Agreed. So it's Sigourney Weaver and Sam Neill in Snow White, A Tale of Terror. I've what? never heard of this. I've never heard of this. And now I have to like explore it because it looks really weird. <laughs> weird and freaky. 
1997 fantasy horror movie. There are no singing doors in this creepy gothic story. Instead, the insane and wicked stepmother is consumed with jealousy for her beautiful daughter Lily, whom she is determined to destroy. The film makes use of its check locations to create an eerie, unsettling atmosphere and mold a mature interpretation of this classic tale it's crazy that this description was basically like hey yo the czech republic's fucking creepy right <laughs> oh apparently this movie is playing for the next week and a half on a channel called encore suspense <laughs> okay i gotta tell uh, my dad about that channel it sounds like all his favorite shit <laughs> my dad loves horrible horror movies this last package is one I actually know what it is because I ordered it. Because <laughs> uh, one of our listeners posted in the Facebook group that they were going to do this. And I was like, hey, yo, how much for one, though? And she was like, seriously? And I was like, yeah, though. <laughs> so are you guys ready? So ready. Oh, I so think this- I know what this one is. Okay. <laughs> I'm excited. This comes to us all the way from British Columbia. Hell yeah, dude. I know that British Columbia is, uh, you know, Canada, but every time I hear it, I just think of Fidel Castro with an English accent. <laughs> like like drinking tea? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jolly-o. It's a titty tote. Oh, my God. <gasps> titty tote. This is beautiful. Oh, my God. I it love is beautiful. it. It's real, it turned out really good. This looks like it could belong in like a museum of modern art. It super does, honestly. I love it because it just looks like a like a patterned tote. Yes. And if you didn't know that it was titties, you'd be like, oh, that's cool. So what she did is she painted her boob and then used it right. to print onto the tote, correct? <laughs> what? Yes. Yeah, yes, that's that why is you correct. can see like the brush strokes and you can see the nipple. So that's how yes. that was made. So they are yes. a regular, it looks like irregular hand-painted polka dots, but it is, yes. in fact, tit print. I am it so- is titty printing. <laughs> I am so glad Andrea's sentence ended that way, because at first I thought she was going to say, them look like irregular titties. Because, <laughs> well, you know, it's like not a perfect stamp. It's like using yeah. Jello as a stamp. It's, so it's, it's like, like using a titty as a stamp. It's exactly what it is, yeah. Yep. Titties are sort of titties, you know, they change shape and they're flexible. I'm going to start. I'm going to start. That's how I'm going to start sealing our mail is like titty wax molds. You know what I mean? Just put (laughs) hot wax on my nipple and then close the (laughs) seal it. Yeah. The wax is going to cool down too quickly. Or you'll lose all your nipple. I was just going to say, or like each package will have just like hair sticking. (laughs) That's what I want. That's the extra bonus. Every order comes with a free nipple hair. And then you can use that to clone Armando in the future. Yes, please do. <laughs> oh, man. I, it would be hilarious if someone tried to clone you from a nipple hair and somehow it just turned into cloning your nipple. That is the best part of me, honestly. If you were going <laughs> to... If you were going to clone Not me, your butt or your balls or no, your future? No, my butt, my balls, and my future. My future is my nipples, honestly. <laughs> you can find Armando on OnlyFans at, I forgot the handle. Uh, The Waxy Nipple. <laughs> Wait, wasn't it, what was the Instagram, the big- Oh, Big, big... Bubba Cult Podcast? Yeah, Big Bubba. <laughs> big Bubba Mondito. That's my that's Mon- my OnlyFans. I thought it was Mondizi. Big Bubba Mondizi. I think that is what it is. Fuck. That was so, I can't I can't remember anything. Too long ago. 
too long ago. It's a whole nother world ago. Anyway, that's all of our mail. Yay. So thank you everyone for sending all of it. Yeah. That. Thank you so much. Oh my God. That was so sweet. All of it. You, so many emotions. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. We had, no, no need to apologize. We, we had remembrance for the lost homie. We had uh, happiness over a titty tote. Um, so happy about the titty toe. <laughs> it's very. It's honestly, it's like quality stuff. Like it looks really it nice. Looks oh great. yeah. It's it's a. I mean, it's a real nice quality tote for starters. But secondly, it it looks artsy fartsy. Like it looks very fancy and like somebody. It's like a designer nonsense. <laughs> and that's what I love the most about it is that I would be walking around with it and people would be like, "Oh, I love that print," and I'd be like. It's tits. <laughs> it's literally the tits. <laughs> this print is literally the tits. Now that we've opened our mail, let's get into Donald Trump. Yeah. Now, now that we're in weirder emotional states than before, <laughs> let's hear about our our current former president. I mean, I feel if anything, we're primed to talk about a giant boob. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm Accurate. ready. Oh man, yeah. We we're going to cover today. Uh, the the man, the myth. Those two things are the same. Uh, <laughs> so we've spent some time covering his family, starting with his grandfather and his father, um, just to kind of get a feel for what the vibe is in the Trump family. Uh, <laughs> and so now we're going to get into essentially Donald's childhood and early adulthood. Um, and before we jump into it, we have some sources. So we have uh, the same 1964 Bridgeport Post article by Gerald S. Snyder f that we did last week. Uh, we also have a Politico article on Mary McLeod by Michael Cruz. Uh, we have a video on Trump's life posted by Biographics. We have the book The Art of the Deal by Tony Schwartz. Uh, and I also realized that last week... Uh, I mistakenly said that the book was written by Luke Schwartz, which is not the author, but instead a comedian that we all know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so Luke, that's a shout out for you. Uh, we also have the book, The Trumps, Three Generations to Build an Empire by Gwenda Blair. And finally, we have the book, Too Much and Never Enough by Mary Trump. Okay, are you guys ready? I am ready. I also want to say that too much and never enough sounds like a like some type of R and B ballad about a breakup. It might be too much or never enough. Yeah, kind of. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's how I feel yeah. it. One hundred percent. Yeah. Like boys to men does like a whole thing with it. Cause it's too much and it's never enough. Cause it's too damn much, <laughs> but it's not enough, never all enough, never enough for you. Yeah, no, I feel that. That's great. I'm going to have to take that and make a beat to it and remix it. And I that's... cannot wait. <laughs> uh, Todd did that when I sang Pony on Horror Virgin a couple oh, weeks ago, great. so yeah. like, Fantastic. it happened. <laughs> So, by the time Donald J. Trump was born on June 14, 1946, his father, Frederick Christ Trump, was well on his way to becoming a New York real estate mogul. Frederick had opened and sold Trump Market. He had made a killing on Depression-era foreclosures, and he had even landed a few overpriced construction jobs for the United States government. 
Frederick's cunning and also his pretty fucking shady business practices had allowed him to build his family a two-story, 23-room house in Jamaica Estates, a lovely upper-middle-class neighborhood in Queens. Um, also, this is crazy because I had no idea Donald Trump was Jamaican. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he must be Jamaican because Jamaican me crazy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure that's not what this means. Uh, but I did want to say I've never seen a birth certificate. Have you guys? I don't I've never seen his birth certificate and I've also never seen him eat jerk chicken. So, I mean, where's the real truth? Find oh. it. Find it. Find it. I have a weird question. In what? weird universe is a 23 room home an upper middle class upbringing (laughs) that sounds like a mansion i've tried to figure out how many rooms were like bedrooms and bathrooms uh and i know that they've had they had at least six bedrooms so that's six rooms they had a game room that's seven they had an attic i don't know if that counts as a room uh but let's just say it does that's eight let's assume that they have a kitchen a dining room uh a study an office um let's see and then maybe like a storage room and like a pantry or something right that is still 14 rooms what are the other nine rooms is it like in the uk where they count closets as rooms and then they tax them and so then everyone just started building wardrobes is it like that Oh, maybe. I also didn't know that's where wardrobes came from. Yeah, that was like a whole thing. So like back in the day, they would tax you on how many rooms you had. So that's why they started building wardrobes. So like when I was a kid, I was like, Lion the Witch in the Wardrobe? What the hell is a wardrobe and why do you need it? And then it's like history. Yeah. Why don't you fucking British people keep your lions in the closet like normal people? Yes. Duh. (laughs) When people come out in England, do they call it coming out of the wardrobe? Pulling an Arnia, mate? Yeah. Maybe that's what all those stories are really about. (laughs) Mom, Dad, I'm Aslan. (laughs) (laughs) I don't don't think that's what happens. No son of mine is going to fuck a goat guy. (laughs) No son of mine is going to create an entire universe. Like what? (laughs) No son of mine is going to wear different colored rings and hang out in pools. That was a deep cut for y'all. I raised you better than to be an allegory for Jesus Christ. (laughs) Accurate. Accurate. Honestly, if you did, like, if I came out to my parents, I was like, I'm a mythical lion. They'd be like, I guess. Yeah. If you said that to me (laughs) right now, I would get it. Yeah. It's like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. The Trump family home also employed a full staff of workers, including chauffeurs, maids, and even a personal butler. However, while life inside the home sounds carefree and opulent, the truth is that things were only superficially good. The Trump children, three boys and two girls, lived in a weird split custody type situation. At Frederick's request, he watched over the boys while Mrs. Trump watched over the girls. This is kind of common in more traditional households. Like, I know that when I was younger, there would be, like, times or days where it was, like, boys with boys, girls with girls. And I was like, I don't want to be in the kitchen. I would rather mow the lawn, please. Uh, But there are certain, like, skills that you're sort of expected to learn as a young woman, depending on the conservativeness of your household where like 
you know, men go off and do man things and they hunt and they, clean, you know, garden. I don't know, whatever men do. I don't know what you guys do. Fix cars? We mostly make uh, titty totes, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that's where I benefited from only having female siblings. Yeah. Because it meant everyone with the girls all the time. So we all did stuff. But... I do think it's weird that they're treating their house the way that most high schools treat sex ed. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly. And there, uh, Andrea is right in that, like, a lot of people at the time described this as a as a sort of traditional uh, a view of, like, you know, men go with men, women go with women. Um, the difference is, though, that in the Trump family, it was a deeper split than it was for anyone else. Like Donald Trump's childhood friends recalled uh, when when somebody came over to their house, their mom would come greet them and be like, oh, how are you doing? How's your parents? Here's a snack, whatever, you know, mom stuff. Um, when they went over to Donald's house, they never even saw his mom. In fact, she really only saw her son's like at the dinner table that's pretty much it and she mostly spent all of her time around uh the girls and there's a lot of different reasons for this one of them is because she had a, a hysterectomy um after the birth of robert trump of the the youngest trump child uh and it took her a really long time to recuperate and so she spent a lot of time on bed rest and uh, uh frederick was like well I, that means that I got to watch the boys and teach them how to do real world stuff. But you can teach women how to do whatever from a bed, right? Or, you know, whatever stupid Yeesh. ideas he had. Yeah. Um, and husband of the year goes to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the best. I'm the best husband. I'm so great at husbanding. I gave you 23 rooms to lie around in. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> when we're done with this marriage, you're going to be so tired of me husbanding <laughs> because I've been doing it so good. <laughs> Exactly. The other reason uh, that I suspect, and for this, we're going to have to head into the <laughs> speculation zone. That was me walking over to the, <laughs> that's the 23rd room, by the way. <laughs> it's the speculation it's zone. Speculation zone. Uh, every house should have one. Um, yeah. But my, my speculation is kind of uh, uh, built up over a lot of these different sources that we had. Um, so remember how last week we talked about how Fred Frederick Trump's mom was super against him marrying Mary McLeod. Um, yes. he, he was like, she sucks. She's fucking, she, she doesn't do anything. She's just pretty she trashy. She poor. Exactly. I bet she makes titty totes, like all this, like <laughs> fucking weird. No, that shit. would make her awesome in our eyes. Yes. But not in the eyes <laughs> yes. of fucking Elizabeth Trump. She should have been making some titty swordfish balloons. I tell you what. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and after uh, after they got married, it didn't improve at all. In fact, apparently Elizabeth Trump would show up to Frederick's house and put on these pristine white gloves and just walk around sliding her finger across the surfaces of furniture. To see if they were dusted. Yeah, and looking at how dirty her glove was and going, hmm, hmm. Not like a mother I would be. Yeah. Chill, dude. Yeah. There's 23 rooms in this house. Relax. <laughs> well, and they they have a staff. Yeah. So I guess it would be more an in, in, 
indication as to whether or not she's managing the household staff correctly. Yeah. From bed rest? Cool. Exactly. Well, and I mean, like, here's the thing. It's like, I know it's weird that they have a staff just because most people don't have staffs. But this is a very old world thing of like when you have a household that big, it can't just be one person. No. Like you have to have a staff, you know, it's necessary at that point. Um, But also why you need that big of a house. Yeah. And also if there's a little bit of dust on something, I feel like it's fucking fine. Like it doesn't matter. It's not hurting anybody. Um, but for these reasons, I think that's why Mary McLeod, uh, you know, Donald's mom, I think that's why she didn't want to have anything to do with raising the boys because Elizabeth Trump, like her son, was very focused on leaving a great legacy. And she didn't want, if, if you're going to complain about how much dust is on my fucking wardrobe, I'm not even going to get I'm not even touching those kids. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But unfortunately for Donald, there was only one son that his father actually cared about. It was his older brother and the firstborn son, Frederick Trump Jr. And as we learned last week, Fred Sr. had been finding it difficult to conduct his business ever since the public got all obsessed with morals and ethics. If his legacy was ever going to be carried on, he'd need to create the ultimate heir from scratch. He needed to create a killer. So from a very early age, Fred Sr. started teaching his sons that in life there are always winners and losers. For example, their uncle John. Sure, after he left his brother's building company, John Trump had gone on to earn a PhD, become a professor at MIT, and even helped invent one of the world's first million-volt x-ray generators. But did any of this make him a winner? Fuck no. Fred Sr. asserted that because he was filthy rich, he was clearly the winner in his family. Because at the end of the day, the only thing that mattered was money. Um, also, as a fun fact, a lot of John Trump's research revolved around the recently, or at least the then recently, acquired writings of one Nikola Tesla. Uh, because Tesla died only three years before Donald Trump was born. That is wild. But so his uncle, I guess, yeah. if I'm good, acquired the writings of Nikola Tesla, and then that's how he developed the X-ray generator. Yeah, he and a group of other people. He didn't like steal Nikola Tesla's ideas or anything. But this is blowing my mind. <laughs> This is a side quest that is way more interesting than the main story, but I know we've got to stay on track. I know. I, the, but the, the Nikolai Tesla thing really fucked me up that, you know, Donald Trump was born three years after that guy died. Uh, also, Andrea and I were talking the other day and we realized, and this might just only be interesting to me, but Fred Sr. was born only 40 years after the end of the Civil War, which to me Damn. is like fucking... Wow, when you look at this timeline and their fucking thoughts on things, it makes so much sense. Mm -hmm. So in order to help explain his philosophy, Fred Sr. taught his sons about a fun little idea called the racehorse theory. In racing, there are clear winners and losers because everything comes down to stats. Even if two horses are both at the top of their game, one of them will end up with more awards, more medals, and more trophies. Because in life, there will always only be one winner. However, 
There is a little bit more to the theory than that. The reason it was so important to raise a winning horse was because that horse would be specifically selected to breed the next generation of racehorses. That's right, lesson number two for the Trump sons was that winners should only procreate with other genetically superior winners. Yikes. Yeah. Why was Fred Sr. teaching his kids about horse sex? Maybe because he was a horse <laughs> helper through and through. <laughs> okay. I'm just thinking, this, this is like racism. Yeah, he's a Nazi at a time when there are actual Nazis. Like, unironically. Yeah. Well, I think what's really funny about this is that when the boys started dating, Fred Sr. actually built a horse track in their garden and made women run in circles. <laughs> And he would just make it a race. He would just stare at them and be like, "Man, that one's a winner right there. Look at her go. Look at those haunches." I mean, th- this explains so, so, so much of like everyone Trump has chosen to marry, any girlfriends, any like dalliances or anything that we've known that he's had. It it makes sense that like he's he's looking for this narrow thing. Love doesn't necessarily matter. Connection doesn't matter. It is purely just breeding, and it's his idea of what is best breeding, which is wild. Yeah. Like yeah, that is crazy. I just remembered that Trump went on to to be part of the Miss America pageant, and it makes so much more sense now. Yeah. Yes. Yes, he bought the pageant. He owns it. Yeah, and even though these racist-ass lesson plans were aimed at his older brother, Donald still picked up his dad's horrific ideas on genetics, a.k.a. eugenics. Uh, It's why on the day that Ruth Bader Ginsburg died, he stood in front of a mostly white crowd in Minnesota and said, quote, This state was pioneered by men and women who braved the wilderness and the winters to build a better life for themselves and their families. They were tough and they were strong. You have good genes, you know that, right? A lot of it's about genes, isn't it? Don't you believe? The racehorse theory. You think we're so different? You have good genes here in Minnesota. End quote. I mean... They do. But there's also good genes elsewhere. And it's wild that he's so dependent on that. That that somebody's worth would be just inherently tied to what they're born with. And it doesn't matter at all anything else. It doesn't matter what they do with what they were given. It doesn't matter. You know, it do- people have no inherent value. They only have value in so much as he believes their genes are good. Which is real dangerous i mean that is that's how genocide happens fool like that is genocidal thinking it is really bad and at the time by the way this lesson was uh meant to help fred jr prepare for when he had to um assess potential renters for buildings uh because fred senior wanted him to learn and memorize the characteristics of quote superior and inferior human beings end quote Oh my god. Yeah. This is I I know a little bit of what's going to happen in the future and uh that is very important. Yep. And <laughs> super fucked up. Super fucked up. But while Donald was taking to racism like a fly takes to shit, 
the actual intended target wasn't really paying attention because as it turns out, Fred Jr. could not care less about his father's legacy or even about the family business. Even as a child, he wanted to be his own person and seemed to defy his dad at every available opportunity. Fred Sr. insisted that he go by his full name. Fred Jr. went by Freddy. Fred Sr. wanted his son to play with building blocks and erector sets, but Freddy only wanted to play with his toy airplane. When Fred Sr. made him get a job as a paperboy, Freddy worked smarter by getting the family chauffeur to drive him along his route. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> I mean, smarter, not harder, man. Yeah. And this stuff drove Fred Sr. crazy. The only person that was angrier than him was little Donald Trump. Because no matter how much his brother fucked up, no matter how many times he was lectured, Fred Sr. would never consider that just maybe Donald might be the winner. The constant rejection stung like hell and it caused little Donnie to act out constantly. When he was four, he got caught throwing rocks at a neighbor. When he was eight, he formed a gang with some neighbor kids and they rode their bikes around all over Queens beating up any younger kids unlucky enough to cross their paths. Which is fucking... He's literally the leader of a gang. Like, I'm not making this shit up. He's he's a fucking idiot. Just like Lost Boys. Like, he's just yeah. wild and psychopathic and running loose. But Donald's most frequent target was his younger brother, Robert. Donald constantly picked on his younger brother, calling him names, and even pulling the old stop hitting yourself gag. You know that one? It was, stop hitting yourself. Stop hitting yourself. As you, like, make their arm hit them. But Fred Sr. never disciplined Donald. Instead, he used him as an example. Fred Sr. told Freddy that Donald was just acting like a winner. The kid didn't ask for what he wanted, he just grabbed it by the pussy. According to Fred Sr., Donald wasn't being a bully, he was just asserting his dominance over the losers. But this backfired hard. Instead of being inspired by his younger brother, Freddy felt like he was the only sane person in his entire fucking family. Rightly so. Rightly so, yeah. He felt like he was the one who had to constantly look out for the little guys and that he was the only one who would ever do anything to stop Donald. And this annoyance came to a head one night at a family dinner. Donald, as per usual, was picking on Robert. But Freddy was so fed up with his little brother that he stood up, grabbed a bowl of mashed potatoes, and dumped them on top of Donald Trump's head. <laughs> oh, God, I would pay to see that. Yeah, same. <laughs> Donald was shocked, but when he looked to his father, who had always had his back before, there was a smile. Fred Sr. and the rest of the Trump family laughed in his fucking face. Fred Sr. was just proud that Freddy was finally acting like a winner. And weirdly enough, Donald Trump has a long history of being embarrassed by mashed potatoes. Not only does his family bring up this story at every single gathering, to a point where, like, every time they're like, yeah, tell the mashed potato story, he apparently just, like, goes fucking blank in the eyes, just like, uh, fuck this guy. Uh, but even the president's former doctor, Ronnie Jackson, once admitted that they had to trick the president into eating vegetables by hiding cauliflower in his mashed potato. Wow. Weird. 
The mashed potato incident was the first time that Donald made a realization. His father would only ever use him as a tool for shaping Freddy. He didn't punish Donald because he didn't care. It's like when your parents are divorced and you don't realize until you're older that dad let you eat cereal for every single meal just because he didn't know how to be a parent. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly what it is. My dad bought me donuts for breakfast and I got really sick because I wasn't allowed to have sugar at my mom's house. Yeah. And as a kid, you're like, oh, dad's the best. And then you grow up and you're like, oh, wow, you were really bad at this. So little Donnie was so upset that he decided to up the ante. In 1959, at the age of 13, he chose to skip school and took the train to Manhattan. He spent the whole day walking around Central Park, he ate some candy, and he even bought a switchblade from a street vendor. When the school informed Fred Sr. about this unauthorized field trip, Donald learned that there was something his dad hated just as much as having a weak son having a disappointing one. That night, Fred Sr. told Donald to pack his shit and say his goodbyes because in about a week, he would be heading to the New York Military Academy. Wow. As you might be able to tell by the four different times that he would later dodge the draft, Donald Trump really hated the military lifestyle. At home, he could get up whenever he wanted to, he could do whatever he wanted to, and he could get away with all of it. But at the Academy, his life was set to a finely tuned schedule. And this just did not gel with the future 45th president. He would regularly get into trouble for not making his bed correctly, for not keeping his uniform tidy, and other small infractions. Supposedly, he was even bullied by a few of the upperclassmen for making them all look bad. It was beginning to look like his days of being a winner were over. But then something special happened. Daddy came to visit him. His father had never visited any of his other siblings at school, mostly because, you know, they didn't go to fucking military school, so he just saw them at home. But still, this was a chance for Donald to hang out with his dad completely alone and build the special bond that he had always wanted. After this first visit, Donald realized why his father liked the academy. It was the physical embodiment of Fred Sr.'s ideas. If you did well, you earned a medal, and your uniform would show your rank to the entire world. Here, it was possible to become a winner in an undeniable way. And that's when Donald's attitude began to turn around. So, to his credit, and this is one nice thing that I'll say about Donald Trump, as soon as he decided to take the Academy seriously, he did begin to thrive. His bed was always immaculate, his uniform was spotless, and he even started showing off his athletic abilities. Apparently, his favorite sport was, and this is not a joke, dodgeball. That was his favorite sport, which is, you know, fun because if you can dodge a ball, you can dodge the draft, lawsuits, and 25 sexual assault allegations. And a wrench. (laughs) But not those mashed potatoes. Nope. No. Nope. Never going to dodge them. Do you think that's why he took up dodgeball? Is he was like, you're never, never going to get me up again, Freddy. Cat like reflexes. Cat like reflexes. <laughs> Donald showed so much improvement that he was even made company captain. This meant that he looked after the younger cadets, made sure they got their chores done, and even went through their belongings to make sure that they didn't have any contraband. However, as surprising as this might sound, 
Donald Trump was not fit for leadership. What? <laughs> what are you talking about? What? Apparently, and I don't know, this is probably going to be very shocking to most of us, but apparently his biggest problems were that uh, he was lazy and that he practiced nepotism. What? No. <laughs> what are you talking about? No, if that was the case, he would have staffed his entire cabinet with his children. <laughs> Oh, my God. Donald would unofficially promote his friends and make them do his job for him. Supposedly, he and his lackeys would also sometimes force the younger cadets to fight each other for their amusement. This is some gladiator I mean, shit. I mean, if you could, though, <laughs> wouldn't you? No. I mean, yeah, okay, he's basically fine. Just me. fucking Don King with a shittier haircut now that I think about it. <laughs> I was going to make jokes about how Don King has more lift to his hair, but sure. <laughs> he does. Also, here's a fun fact for you. Don't know if y'all knew this. Don King is a Trump supporter. Uh, I did not know that, but have I told you about our family ornament exchange and my father's ornaments? No. no. We have a 35-year tradition where we have a family ornament exchange and all ornaments have to be handmade. So you have to make your own ornaments. And my dad loves puns. So one year he made Don King Wenceslas, which is literally just like Don King's hair glued to a pine cone with a Santa hat. And uh, yeah, that, that that's on somebody's tree every year. 35 that's year so tradition. Funny. <laughs> this is really cute. Your family's cute. Uh. <laughs> They're pretty great. <laughs> Here's one last fun fact for you that I found. Uh, Don King apparently once said, quote, Mr. President, you know what it means to be a black man. What? Uh, no, what? Yeah. No. What? <laughs> Stop it, Don King. Stop it. I'm so confused. <laughs> what is oh, happening? Oh, my God. What a fucking idiot. Oh, I, that is such a bananas crazy. Oh. That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. The only the only time that I would have been happy to have Don King associate with Trump is if he was trying to like plan a fight between Trump and Biden, like a literal fight. <laughs> uh, honestly, I think Biden would win that one. Oh, yeah. really? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I do. I have no idea. Trump can't even stand straight. He stands at a fucking acute angle, well, forty five degrees. Lifts in his shoes. Yeah, that he is because so he has lifts in his shoes. But also because. I feel like Joe Biden has probably actually fought someone before. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's true. Like he's been punched in the face, I would imagine. And I don't know that <laughs> Donald Trump has. Yeah, they've definitely both been slapped in the face before, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. When the instructors at the academy caught wind of what Donald was doing, they removed him as captain. Uh, you could say maybe they impeached him even. Um, and they put him in an administration position instead. But that's not how Donald saw it. In his words, he wasn't fired. This was his very first promotion. Oh, my God. Ugh. But overall, the better Donald did in school, or at least the better he lied about doing anyway, the more Fred Sr. rewarded him with visits. Although they didn't spend their time bonding over classic father-son activities like playing catch. Instead, they went to church. 
Fred Sr. was raised to be Protestant, but as an adult, he didn't really give a shit about religion. Similarly, Donald was raised Presbyterian by his mother, but since the two were never very close, religion didn't play a big part in his life. But going to church wasn't about worship. The father-son duo were only visiting the Marble Collegiate Church in Manhattan to see the pastor, Norman Vincent Peale, most famously known as the author of the book, The Power of Positive Thinking. Uh, <laughs> why? It just gets worse and worse, doesn't it? It makes a lot of sense, though, honestly. Yeah. Now, we do not have anywhere near enough time to go into Mr. Peel in detail, but the dude was essentially a borderline cult leader. I mean, he is even the fucking prototype for people like Joel Olstein. Like, at the best. At the best, he is the person who made, like, Joel Olstein possible. I mean, he he's... it's It comes out of this positivity thinking like era like Dale Carnegie is happening just a few years before this too and large-scale awareness trainings are happening which we know are pretty toxic and pretty terrible and yeah cults essentially and it's it's fucking crazy and you're uh, right that it was super huge he released the book the the power of positive thinking in I think I believe 1956 and it spent Three and a half years on the New York Times bestseller list. Is the power oh. of positive thinking essentially the gateway to prosperity ministry? Yes. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. I mean, yes and, and no, because it's done in a more secular way. Okay. Um, but this is the, and I would say prosperity gospel actually has roots further back in revivalist culture. Okay. Um, I think that's the first place we really start to see it. Um, and you could actually take prosperity gospel all the way back to indulgences if you want to. I mean, it's not a new concept. It's just this is the newer packaging. I think what this does is pave the way for the modern version we see of it, which is televangelism. And I think that's very telling of the religious figures that Trump chooses to surround himself with. Yeah, yeah. His current religious advisor is fucking nuts and she is a grifter she's like a televangelist grifter and the fact that everyone's just okay with it blows my mind yeah and the worst part is her name is donna king and she's got this crazy haircut no i'm kidding (laughs) and she does all her sermons from a microphone that comes down from the ceiling (laughs) (laughs) in this corner satan Coming in at 200 pounds with a fiddle. And in this corner, <laughs> Jesus Christ, the crusher. Just like. Get over here. I'm going to fiddle. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. So so even, even more than he was like a stepping stone to televangelists. And again, I do want to cover Norman Vincent Peale in the future. Um he was more like the prototype for what we, the three of us, see all the time in L.A., this kind of like manifest your destiny type shit. You know, manifest destiny. That's what it's you have to secret. do. It's the secret. We have to manifest. That's how we took over the United States. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, 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 yeah it's yeah. pretty bad. In his books and sermons, Norman would tell his flock to formulate in your mind a mental picture of yourself succeeding and never, under any circumstances, allow it to fade. 
he implored his congregation to bend the world to their will through mental exertion. In his own words, quote, attitudes are more important than facts, end quote. No, why? <laughs> oh, I have an honesty bone in my body that I hate. Oh, um, it's right next to the funny bone. <laughs> it is. Um, this is what frustrates me so much about this doctrine and this belief, because for starters, I believe that it is inherently selfish. It is a yes. view of the world that is concentrating purely on your wants and thoughts and desires with no consideration whatsoever for anyone else's. And I feel like that is inherently anti-Christian. I feel like it's against what Jesus would have told you to love your neighbors as yourself. I hate that it's preached in churches. And I feel like it is antithetical to a prosperous society in general. I feel like yes. a society cannot be successful when its people are so self-centered they cannot cohesively be a whole because they are individuals to a fault. You yeah. know, I do think there's problems the other way where people don't have free will and don't have any autonomy, but I feel like this preaching of it's your way or the highway and nothing else matters is so dangerous. And it is how we get people like Donald Trump who do not care. People who have not attended a coronavirus briefing in five months while 250,000 Americans are dead because they're trying to prove that they won an election that they provably lost. That's what this leads to. And I hate it so much. This sounds like you haven't done your own research page. You know what? <laughs> Normally I, I come into these episodes blind, but also the news exists. <laughs> you mean the uh, the main the lamestream media? I will have you know that I watch <laughs> many news programs. Uh, my favorite is John Oliver because they cite their damn sources. Mm -hmm. And oh, you yeah, can dude. look it all up. Just saying. I don't know, Paige. I have a couple Joe Rogan podcasts I need to do. <laughs> <laughs> do DMT about it. See how selfish you get then. So, Sorry, too busy humping stools. Be right back. <laughs> I'm a stool helper. Um, <laughs> a stool helper? Ugh. Ugh. So th this kind of this whole philosophy kind of explains the whole quote unquote promotion thing. Donald was fully committed to doing any mental gymnastics necessary to ad avoid admitting that he had failed. Not only did Norman preach what Fred Sr. considered to be his own views on winning. Um, and also just as a, a quick aside, Norman Vincent Peale was also a big believer that, uh, that capitalism was uh was built into christianity which That's is a the very most popular belief that is not backed up in the bible i would say no i no. would say the opposite is backed up in the bible I would too yeah. personally so so not only did this share uh fred senior's view on winning but but norman vincent peel's sermons were fucking popping Rich families, socialites, and even celebrities all visited the church to hear the pastor speak. It was truly a place to see and to be seen. It was clear to Donald that his father was finally beginning to consider him as a possible heir to the Trump family legacy. What he didn't know was why. Because in reality, Fred Sr. wasn't having an epiphany about his son's place in the pecking order. It was still about Freddie. During Freddie's late teens and early adulthood, he had become increasingly defiant of his father. 
Like Donald, Freddy had become accustomed to lying, but unlike his little brother, who lied to make himself look better, Freddy lied just so that he could live his own life. In high school and college, Freddy constantly kept secrets from his parents and friends because he wanted as much separation from his home and private life as humanly possible. Freddy would even sometimes lie about his own last name just to separate himself from his father. He also joined a historically Jewish fraternity, uh, despite being a German Presbyterian. Although this wasn't really a secret, I think it was a way for him to piss off his anti-Semitic father. Um, apparently, he even became the chapter's president. So I can confidently say that uh, Fred Trump Jr. is the only good Trump president. Yay! Oh, man. Do you guys want some uh, Bible verses to refute this whole capitalism nonsense? Oh, yes, yes. please. Okay, okay. So I will start with... Uh, the most popular one, the one that, like, I feel like, hold on, if you are a Bible person, this is the one that everyone is going to cite, which is Matthew 19, 24. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Uh, oh. So you got a problem right there. But then furthermore, if you go to Galatians 6, 2, you have bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the laws of Christ. Or Luke 3, 11 through 14, and he answered them, whoever has two tunics to share with him who has none and whoever has food is to do likewise. Tax collectors also claimed, came to be baptized and said to him, teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, collect no more than you are authorized to do. Soldier said to him, and what shall we do? And he says, do not exhort money from anyone by threats or false accusation and be content with your wages. So that means share with people. Yeah. Sounds like socialism to me. Don't <laughs> cheat people out of money. Give people what they need. It is... <sighs> Although, I will say, Paige, you are forgetting uh, a very famous uh, 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 excerpt from the Bible, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave them 50% off, stamps.com, using promo code, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, th I would argue that the Bible leaves room for people to have their own businesses and to build their own life and wealth, but it does not excuse poverty and not supporting the people in your society. And I think there's room for both. I think there is room for people building things and doing well, but also making sure that their neighbor is taken care of. And I think that's the most important. Truly, truly, exactly. I don't, I don't think it's as black or white as anyone wants to, you know, make it. I, I think that, like you said, um, a lot of these, things that you just read sound like you know don't 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 not care about money like be able to survive but just like fucking have a goddamn heart like if you're if you're constantly always thinking about earthly pleasures how can you actually have a relationship with god with earth with whomever you know mm -hmm. it doesn't make any fucking sense so freddie's biggest secret however was his love for the sky as a kid, he had dreamed of becoming a pilot, but Fred Sr. insisted that pilots were just the bus drivers of the air. I mean, he's not wrong, but... Well, he's not wrong now, but at the time it was like, you're defying God and f soaring through the <laughs> sky in a fucking suit. You're kind of, like, awesome. It is it's awesome. 
it's still awesome. And I don't know about you. Like, I've been on a lot of Southwest flights, but I have never <laughs> seen someone on a Southwest flight soaked in pee and doing karate while everyone ignored them. So I'm going to say that pilots probably more than the bus drivers of this guy. I don't know, Paige. We've been on a flight together, right? Because that sounds like me. I was going to say, <laughs> you haven't been on Spirit Airlines. <laughs> I know that's true. I have never flown Spirit. <laughs> oh, consider yourself lucky. So lucky. <laughs> Uh, so this is actually something that Fred Sr. said like a lot. Like it was one of his favorite jokes. He was like, pilots, more like sky bus drivers. Am I right? Uh, and Ladies. <laughs> Target, you mean Target? That's like the most old white man joke I've yeah. ever heard. <laughs> it's so stupid. But as stupid as it was, this really, really hurt Freddie's feelings very deeply. However, it didn't push him away from his passion. After college, Freddie got his pilot's license and even joined the Air National Guard. And while vacationing in the Bahamas one year, he met the woman of his dreams, a flight attendant named Linda Clapp. This also marks the first time in history that a Trump willingly got the clap. I was waiting for it. I was like, there's no way he's going to let that name go. <laughs> ah, so proud of you, honey. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Podcast is over. We'll, we'll go. <laughs> Bye, guys. Let's go home. I'm going <laughs> to hang out with all this mail. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Freddie and Linda kept things on the down low for a long time. Partially because of Fred Sr., but also because back in the day, flight attendants were called stewardesses, and they had a weight limit, a mandatory makeup rule, and you could even be terminated if your job found out that you weren't single. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. It's fucking yep. insane. That's so stupid. Those sound like outdated policies for the fucking Playboy Mansion, even. You know yeah. what I mean? I know. Like, it's yeah. fucking ridiculous. And I mean, it's not normally the reason that somebody hides the clap, but in this case. <laughs> I was just wondering how fast she was at racing. Oh, she's pretty good. She's pretty fast. Um, when Fred Sr. found out about Freddy's secret life, he was furious. He hated all of it. He reminded Freddy that pilots were just the sky's bus drivers and said the same things about Linda that his own mother had told him about Mary McLeod. He also warned Freddy that having his head in the clouds, literally, would one day interfere with his work. But sometime around 1967, Freddy got fed up with his father and quit the family business. Hell yeah, Freddy. Go for it. He got a job at Trans World Airlines as a pilot and even married Linda. He was finally going to become his old man. And this is why Fred Sr. had been putting so much stock in his son, Donald. After Donald graduated from the New York Military Academy, he enrolled at the Fordham University before transferring to the Wharton School of the University of Pennsylvania, where he graduated in 1968 at the age of 22 with, ironically, a BS in economics. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right. 
<laughs> Bachelor of Sciences, but I do like just assuming that his degree is BS. <laughs> Even though Wharton is like a very famous business school, like oh, that's yeah. a legitimate thing. It's yeah. a it's a great school. He did not fit in at all at Wharton, by the way, because the the New York Military Academy had made him kind of like an alpha bro, and he showed up to college expecting it was going to be the same. And everyone was like, "I'm here for a higher education. Can you please leave me alone, sir?" <laughs> <laughs> like, ah, come on, let's go make the freshmen fight each other. And they were like, I'm going to call the cops on you if you don't fucking leave me alone. <laughs> In fact, apparently on one of the first days of school, uh, one of his professors was like, why do you want to get into real estate? And he had all of the students answer. Uh, and Donald Trump stood up and said, because one day I'm going to be the king of New York. Um, and no one even reacted. They were just kind of like... <laughs> All right, dude. <laughs> Fucking weird, man. <laughs> I mean, it's so distressing funny. how accurate that is. It's like, upsetting. like I'm mad that he was right. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's so upsetting. Uh, Donald claims to have graduated first of his class, but the truth is that he never even made the honor roll. And much later, in 2015, Trump's lawyer, Michael Cohen, threatened to sue all of Donald's old schools if they ever released his academic records. After he graduated, Fred Sr. hired Donald to work at the family company, and it didn't take long for him to work his way up the corporate ladder, or more likely it didn't take long for nepotism to kick in. Right. And he was made president of the company in 1971 at the age of 25. And his first act as president, other than dodging the draft for the fourth time, uh, because he dodged it twice to go to college, again after college due to a quote-unquote injury, and finally again in 1972 due to bone spurs despite being healthy enough to play golf and baseball on the weekends. Um, his first act as president of the Trump company was to start work on the Hyatt Hotel in Manhattan. He had acquired a rundown old hotel called the Commodore and a ton of the surrounding area for a very good price. He then convinced the Hyatt family, who for some reason didn't have a hotel in New York City at the time, to fund half of the renovations. And to fund the other half, he received a $60 million loan from his father. A far cry from the supposed million-dollar loan he talked about at his campaign rallies. Also, that's not adjusting for inflation. I think it, the, with inflation, it's like a hundred and forty million dollars. That's insane. Something fucking yeah. crazy like that. I'll never even see that much money in my lifetime. No. Yeah. No. None well, if of it us makes will. you feel better, he didn't either. It was all fucking hypothetical, technically. But yeah, because it's all credit. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. he was also able to secure a 40-year tax exemption on the property. And this is a detail that is very important and will 100% come back in next week's episode. So I just want you to remember that. So does he not have property taxes on that high rise? Nope. <gasps> yep. For That's 40 years. billions of dollars. Yep. And the way he got it was shady as shit. <laughs> That's infuriating. Yeah. That's crazy. Oh, that makes me mad. Okay. Because property taxes fund things like schools and roads and infrastructure. And he's profiteering off the government and not giving back anything to the community. And we should kick him in the fucking balls. Aw, just like his dad. Aw. There you go. At the time, at the time, 
Trump's Grand Hyatt Hotel was considered to be a huge success. It received many accolades for its tasteful repurposing of the old Commodore Hotel, and almost overnight it made Donald a New York real estate mogul, just like his dad. The only problem was, this was the only thing he shared with his father. He still didn't have his name, and he was still the fourth-born child. And Freddie wasn't handling the situation much better. Years of abuse and Donald's newfound success drove him to drink, and Freddie's alcoholism became so bad that he lost his job at Trans World Airlines and was forced to return to his younger brother's company. Hiring Freddie made Donald feel powerful, but it still didn't make him daddy's favorite. Surprisingly, even after everything that had happened, Fred Sr. continued to try to push Freddie into becoming the Trump family heir. But Freddie had not caved before, and he never would. On September 26, 1981, at the age of 46, Freddie Trump died of a heart attack brought on by his alcoholism. And as sad as this was, Donald couldn't have been happier. In fact, one of the last times Donald Trump saw his older brother, he used their time together to verbally attack him for throwing away his life and becoming a bus driver in the sky. According to Linda and Freddie's daughter, hearing their father's words echo out of his younger brother's mouth was the straw that broke the camel's back. But it looked like Fred Sr. had finally accomplished what he set out to do. He had taken one of his sons and turned them into a killer. After Freddie's death, Donald J. Trump became the de facto firstborn and the heir to the Trump family legacy. And that's where we'll pick up next week with part four of our series on Donald Trump. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. I knew I knew Fred Jr.'s story before this, and it's so, so sad. It's so unbelievably sad. And the worst part is like there's so much more that we didn't get to go into a lot of detail in just because of, you know, time constraints and trying to stick to uh, the story that we need to tell. But if you are interested in hearing more about uh, Fred Trump Jr.'s story and kind of like everything that he had to deal with, you should definitely read um, Mary Trump's book, his his daughter's book, uh, Too Much and Never Enough, because it is fucking phenomenal. This whole family just sounds like incredibly abusive and a horrible place to grow up in. Yeah. You know, like I feel like I'm understanding Donald Trump the oh, more yeah. that you talk about this. Yeah, it's 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 sad because when you piece out the story, you hear Donald Trump is just a kid that never got love, that never got love, never got attention, never got to have a normal childhood and never even got to feel proud of his own accomplishments whenever he had them. As, as yeah. rare as they are, he did have things. Like, I'll give him credit. He was a good athlete. He was a good student when he put his mind to stuff. He was also really good at, um, I don't want to say leadership in the terms of like, you know, actually being a leader, but in terms of like convincing people to follow him, he was really good at that, which is also a fucking negative, but he, he was good at things and even the things he was good at, he never got credit for. And that to me is just so fucking sad and terrible. Well, and it sounds like he was raised in a home that fundamentally lacks compassion and he never got compassion. So I don't think he understands what it even is no no not at all and and we've covered before how 
a lot of times you can compare cults to abusive relationships or even to like really shitty family life. And this is a prime example where you have a cult leader, fucking Fred Sr., who is raising his children in these insane doctrines to believe these insane things. Like, he he never had this shit. He never had any of this shit. He, he, in fact, he had a mom who desperately supported both of her sons in any way possible to help them get whatever they wanted, you know? It, 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 was, it was the opposite. So it just doesn't make any sense, and it's so fucking sad. It's just a really, really fucking sad story. Yeah. Um, this episode, just like all episodes are sponsored by the titty toe, the titty toe. Do you, do you need to to carry a whole bra full of shit? Well, let me offer you a tote bag that has titties all over it. I don't, you shouldn't need me to sell you on this. It's fucking awesome. It's a great idea. It is a great idea. Uh, we'll post info about it in the Facebook group. If anybody wants to order them, I do know that she's one lady making totes so don't overwhelm her please yeah. i mean yeah but Tits yeah get tired man they need a Tits break get tired they do um no in 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 actuality our episode is brought to you by our wonderful amazing patreon donors <laughs> this episode is brought to you in part by uh i have a tiny hat uh <laughs> <laughs> do tell uh hey guys couldn't think of a cool name for the podcast shout out so my gamer tag will have to do it's i have a tiny hat i found y'all from the good morning from hell podcast and since then i have listened to every single episode and i'm fully caught up i love the pod and i love you guys and i hope maybe one day you could do a show here in australia Armando, I gotta say, I'm not a fan of your interpretation of our accent. <laughs> you mean Mikey Melios's accent? Yeah, our friend uh, Mikey Melios. Uh, spider? 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 That's, okay. Spider? That's my wallaby? Spider? That's my impression of an Australian uh, customs agent. <laughs> <laughs> the spiders all had valid passports, so did the wallaby. <laughs> also... I can only imagine that tiny hats. What's his name? I have a tiny hat. I have a tiny hat. All I can think of is those photos online of little snakes with tiny little hats. Love it. They're so cute. I have a tiny hat. (laughs) No, that's more Cockney. Tiny Uh, hat. Hat. Tiny hat. If you Mm -hmm. want this to happen to you, uh, you can go to patreon.com slash cult podcast and check out all of the different tiers and rewards that we have for offer. Um, I'm going to say if you want to send me, if you want to send me your favorite Bible verse about why capitalism is the only way that God intended us to live. Uh, <laughs> Good luck. Good luck. Yeah, yeah. Good luck soon. finding one. Maybe check on the underside of that table that Jesus just flipped. <laughs> uh, Jesus, what the fuck, man? That was from Ikea. It's broken now. Um, <laughs> Tough luck, Pharisees. <laughs> 
if you want to send me something like that, uh, you can do so by messaging me on Instagram or Twitter at Mondo Does Stuff. Um, I also have a clothing brand now. Uh, it's called Mad Local. It's really great. The entire idea behind it is that good things grow locally. We manufacture, hand dye, and print all of our clothing right here in Los Angeles, California. And it is owned and operated by a kid from L.A. It's one of my favorite things that I've done. I'm super fucking excited about it. We had a great launch day for a first brand. I sold out of 20% of my inventory on day one, which is pretty fucking sick. That is Um, pretty fucking sick. But there's still some stuff left over there. So uh, go over there. Check it out. Um, I've got the most comfortable sweatshirts that you'll ever wear. Get those for winter. And I've got uh, t-shirts made out of 100% recycled cotton. So they feel vintage because they very literally are. So you can find us at madlocal.org. That's M-A-D-L-O-C-A-L.org. Or you can find us on Instagram at madlocalla. Yeah, guys, uh, if you want to send me, if you want to send me your mashed potato recipe to toss onto Donald Trump's hair, <laughs> I want to hear it on all the things at Sundress Comic. Also, check out my art at AndreGazetta.com or at AndreGazetta on Instagram. If you follow me on Instagram this Friday for Black Friday, I'm going to be doing a story sale, which I've done before. Some of you might be familiar. Basically, it's kind of like I do a low starting bid for sketches and older paintings and things that are just kind of about. And then whoever has the highest bid by the end of the day wins. So follow me on Instagram at Andrea Gazetta if you want to be a part of that. Yeah, you too can feel like you're part of a new age auction. (laughs) Yeah, it really is just like, you know, I feel bad. I just kind of keep all these things. So if they can go to a place where they'll be appreciated, that's great. I have been answering people's Thanksgiving questions for the last couple days uh, because I know we're all trying to stay home and keep everyone safe, which means that a lot of people who've never had to cook Thanksgiving before are having to cook Thanksgiving. (laughs) And I understand your pain. Uh, So if you have Thanksgiving questions, shoot them to me on Facebook or Instagram. Uh, Also on romancing the pod this week, we are doing twilight with special guest, Jackie Zabrowski on Thursday. I'm so excited. So that drops on Thanksgiving. It's super fun. Um, You can also catch me on horror virgin and black card rehab. And you can find information for all of the above at page Wesley on twitter at rampage wesley on instagrams dope 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 can't wait for that fucking twilight series i'm definitely gonna listen to it because i love it (laughs) we had so much fun recording (laughs) it was nuts i'm sure it was wild it is one of my favorite series i'm (laughs) i really wish i was being sarcastic um (laughs) me too if (laughs) if you're looking for a fun new place to listen to cult podcast might we suggest rooster tea i'm a rooster rooster hardly know her If you like, uh, I have a tiny hat. They, they, you know, they said that they found us by listening to uh, Good Morning from Hell. Just don't aroost me for that joke. (sighs) (laughs) We just lost the rooster teeth deal. (laughs) (laughs) We worked for a year to make that happen, Andrea. You, you can't we can't hear finger guns <laughs> finger guns aren't gonna help will these finger wings make it better all right <laughs>
Depends. What flavor are they? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're definitely barbecue tossed. Okay, so <laughs> yummy. Uh, there's a bunch of other great shows there as well, like Good Morning from Hell, Red Web, Black Box Down, um, and so much more. There's so much great content on there all the time, and I love it so much. So go to roosterteeth.com or download the official app, or you can listen to all of our episodes. Uh, additionally, if you like our show and you want to follow us on Instagram, you can do so by going to at Cult Podcast or at Cult Podcast Show on Twitter. You can also send us an email to cultpodcastshow at gmail.com. Or if you want to send us mail, uh, be mindful it does take a while yeah. <laughs> sometimes, especially if it's being sent while ballots are happening. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That makes a lot of uh, sense. Yeah, uh, feel free to send that to 3756 West Avenue 40, Suite K, number 237. Like, like the, the Shining. Shining. Los Angeles, California, 90065. And I think for this one, I'm going to say don't drink if you have a problem with drinking. Yeah. Everyone's different and it's okay to be sober. It's it's great. You can have a great sober life. And if you need help, ask for help. And also don't drink the Kool-Aid. Bye. Bye.